0: Height Zone World. Episode 15. 15. Featuring, featuring Matt Bless. Let's go in. <sighs> Height Zone World. We're back. Before we get into the main thing, I want to say I really appreciate you guys listening and letting me know you're listening through these emails or whatever else. Um, I've been a part of a lot of these zero-budget projects in my life, and it's real easy for cool ideas to just evaporate due to no one caring. So thank you so much for listening and letting me know you're listening. And we're going to keep this thing rolling. I want to make an announcement real quick that I'm hard at work on this new height solo album and I've just decided I'm going to get it out into the world by January. No more details at the moment, but stay tuned. My guest today is Matt Pless. Matt and I were friends in high school We both kept it going with music equally hard throughout the years. We've recently found ourselves moving in the same circles again and playing the same cities, same venues. And I'm really glad we got a chance to catch up like this and see where our stories intersect. He's a very interesting dude. This is sponsored by The Lineup Room. A recording and mixing studio located in Baltimore MD. Check them out at the lineuproom.com. Mike Riley Comics, still killing it with these old school album covers. Check out Mike Riley Comics.com. Also, if you're looking for commissions, if you want this sweet art for your thing, check out Mike slash shop
1: let's do it yeah i was uh i was in school in dundalk at the time uh because of some things and um i lived in catonsville though uh, i just wasn't going to school there but i was about to transfer to the high school uh after that summer that we met
0: what, what were the things
1: oh uh, just like uh i um i was i was at carver for a minute uh i didn't really care for it i wanted to do video stuff and like uh my dad uh, had a good video program at Dundalk High School, and um, mm. so I went there to do that because it wasn't offered anywhere else. And um, but after a while, it got hard because like you couldn't see your friends on this side of town because you were always yeah. going like t- uh, to uh, on the other side of uh, the city. Yeah. So after school, I didn't really have a whole lot to do. Um, so I decided to transfer back to Catonsville. And, oh, okay. That's sort of how it was.
0: <laughs> didn't your dad have like? A crazy like radio station hustle
1: for a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a hustle. <laughs> yeah. He um he, my dad had a radio station he made. Um uh he's a teacher at Dundalk High School and he was teaching in the seventies and uh, one of the ideas he had um as an extracurricular activity was to uh teach his uh kids in his classes how to run a radio station out of um out of uh out of a little room he built in his classroom and he had a transmitter and all that stuff and yeah it started out like just going over the cafeteria uh during lunch but eventually he uh got the money together to put an actual tower up on top of the high school and put it on fm radio and uh he just operated pretty underground and uh uh it was done himself and with people who worked with him and uh he called it the underground actually that was the name of the station and uh yeah, it was cool. My dad, my dad's a pretty forward thinker on stuff like that. He was doing DIY stuff with radio in like 1976.
0: But <laughs> how do you cool. get on? How do you get on FM? You... I, I have no
1: idea, mm. really. I, 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 he, it's like you. I think he told me once you have to find like a, you have to bu- buy a, a signal or something. Yeah, like and it has to be on a um, just like an open, an open. Uh, spot on the radio like an open channel and yeah. you buy a, 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 a the strength of your signal coming from the tower i think and, uh, and transmitter determines whether or not it's fm or am if FM is more ex- wider exposure uh, am is not as wide exposure this is back a long time ago too yeah yeah no yeah idea, you right.
0: know i remember seeing a record that was like it was like a compilation of like local dudes yeah. like local like, hair metal kind of stuff. <laughs> that was... Right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, And, like, that must have been an interesting thing to be around as a kid.
1: Yeah, that was cool. Uh, my my dad... The, the underground turned into, like, a uh, 1980s hair metal, uh, heavy metal radio station. Yeah. And at the time, it was uh, in Baltimore. Um, one of the... Uh, I think it was the only station that played anything like that, like early Metallica, or like, uh, just like really obscure metal bands, um, from that period, Queensryche or something, and, um, so, uh, you know, um, this album came out that you are talking about, it was a compilation of Baltimore metal bands that uh, were underground and unknown, and, um, yeah, it was sitting in my basement for a long time, (laughs) there's still about, you know, maybe 50 of them laying down there, Mm. (laughs)
0: Did it kind of spawn from the school? Like, was it like Dundalk kids and stuff like that, or, or where did you, like meet these local dudes?
1: Oh, uh, well, once they got once they got big enough, they they left the school and had a new location underneath this place called Ezekiel's Wheel, which used to be uh, in Fellows Point, I think. Mm. I might be wrong about that, but they ended up going to different locations and uh, sending or, or doing the radio show like like th- like this here, uh, uh, just out of those spots. Yeah, and um, uh. He met the bands because they got around kind of like this. the city. They got to be like a name. 97 Underground was like a known thing if you were in like the metal scene. Yeah. And so like local bands would send them stuff. And like, you know, I think they, they were like, you know, 98 Rock, I believe was bigger uh, as far as uh, the reach of its signal. Um, But, you know, 97 Underground had a cult following. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I remember you saying years later when you met the 98 Rock dudes, they were like, Tom Plessis' son. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 They, they were, uh, they got, they had a, They had a laugh from that. <laughs> That's funny. But I can't,
0: I can't think of any other competition that they had.
1: No, there probably like, wasn't. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how many hair metal stations there were in like, ninth, the mid 80s, early 80s, around Maryland period that were getting an FM signal. I think, um, yeah, I
0: think that was the only one.
1: Yeah, like they were kind of a, uh, but then like grunge came around and like, like, a hole and all that, and like, so my dad, uh, at that point, hey, I, I, he sold uh, the station to uh, an investor guy. Um, and that guy tried to keep it going by putting a bunch of money into it, and uh, it just uh, it fell to ruin because yeah. grunge changed everything. Yeah,
0: before we met, like, what kind of
1: what were you like? I was a little jumpy and uh, worrisome when I was little. Um, I used to always put, uh, I would like to make things, like I used to sit in my playroom in the basement of my first house I lived in and just build, you know, giant boats and like castles and radio stations, all kinds of things, TV studios out of my like selection of chairs and, uh, you know, tables that were laying in the basement. And I just find ways to build stuff. I used to make things. I used to draw a lot. I'd draw all over the walls in my basement. Yeah, so, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I was like, I was always in my own like world, kind of. I was a, a firstborn, so I was around for a little while before anyone else came to my house, and um, <laughs> yeah. got used to being alone. So I was kind of a loner.
0: When we met as pretty young kids, I feel like you already had like songs and stuff. You were already like writing
1: music. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I mean, say it was any good. <laughs>
0: in a real secretive kind of way. Now, I I just remember you, you being like, "Yeah, check out this tape I made." And it would be like like a one copy tape of <laughs> like 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 you would give me the master <laughs> copy of the album and it would be like like a hand like a one, you know, the master like artwork and then I would just have the one copy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I didn't even, like, go to Kinko's or anything. <laughs> Just, like, I remember that. Yeah, I I, know, I used to make, like... I, I was into shock rock for a second uh, when I was in uh, high school at some point. Around the time I met you, I was, like, really into, like, early Marilyn Manson and, like, all this uh, Nine Inch Nails, and I was, like... Uh, <laughs> I was making these, like, really weird, like, tapes using a boombox that I would, like, record my keyboard drums in. Or, no, I, record, I would record, like, the... the, the, the The melody on the keyboard or the guitar in the uh, one boombox with a tape recorder, with a tape in there to record it with. And then I would play it back and record that playing back as well as me hitting the drum pad on the keyboard into another boombox. And then, like, I would take that tape and that would be the album. And every time I. It was, like, dubbing it would keep making it, like, I never thought to just make copies. I don't know why I didn't. I wasn't playing shows. It was just kind of like this thing I was doing. That yeah. Was, that was when, like, music was, like, completely and utterly, totally, I guess, for nothing but fun. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, just because I, I literally just didn't even think to give it to anyone. It was just something I did because I was like, I'm just going to do this. And, like, over the years, I just got really into the idea of making more of it that was, like, serious and, like, putting it out there. But yeah. At that time, it wasn't something I was like, I'm going to be a musician like i wanted to be like i always wanted to do like since i saw like the monkeys on tv i wanted to be in, like uh-huh it didn't seem like a possibility because i couldn't play any instruments for so long but once i figured it out i was like okay now i should write some real things <laughs> you could play shit though right well back then like i mean yeah. I, I i could i i hit the keyboard you know and i mm-hmm. knew like you know a couple power chords but i wasn't like i wouldn't say i was a musician at all or, I mean, I I was just like you know a guy messing around trying to like I was being creative using what I knew. Yeah, I like, you know. Like.
0: <laughs> we mentioned before we started recording first a very '90s first meeting, which is record and tape traders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that I feel like Rest that in was peace. <laughs> <laughs> that was right before um that was right before like. You started going to Catonsville, I guess,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was, like, that August, I think. What was that, What was that like, switch up like? It wasn't, it was weird. I mean, I saw a lot of kids that, like, I didn't, uh, I didn't think liked me from middle school that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, I'm, I didn't, I never thought, like, a lot of people in my grade liked me very much in high school, so, uh, it was weird in that sense. But I had a few friends who I knew were, uh, who, who were, who I got along with, um, but uh honestly the easiest the easiest part about the the thing that made that transition easiest was hanging out with like uh you and like uh the crew of kids that like y'all were rolling with because y'all were like my only like group of people that i hung out with really regularly yeah yeah so that was like a big thing actually um and it was like the first time i was around like a band and like saw how a band like worked and like what you could do with it and that, a lot of that actually had to do with why I wanted to. I was like, okay, I wanted to really get into doing music. Like, it was because, like, I saw all like, yes. like, uh, play at like churches and stuff. And, like, I thought it was just cool was, like, you made like your own flyers, and like, they're always like cool back then. They had like, you know, cut up like magazine bits, and like, it would have yeah. like, that whole thing. And people making tapes, and I don't even think CDRs were happening yet. Time, no, no, yeah, it was cool. It was really cool.
0: <laughs> I was thinking recently reflecting on that time we saw like every like avant-garde band that like baltimore and dc like had to offer basically like like a mile from our houses <laughs> it, yeah. like at the, like methodist church
1: yeah that was like there was some real underground bands that came through at the time like, i remember that IDMn was like one of those bands that i liked a lot that came through uh no, that rhinovirus the uh, yeah. rhinovirus is a bit, I I really need I need to like upload it or something to the YouTube because like people like, really need to hear them. Uh. that that's they're the ultimate example to me of like they were
0: in Baltimore they were so fucking like known and be, I don't want to say they were like huge like a huge draw but like they like made noise and meant a lot to a lot of people and there's no record of them. Okay? Not at all.
1: It's bizarre. Like, yeah. there's, like I've looked before, and like, the fact that it's not even online, like, anywhere to listen to is just, yeah. like, that's, like, terrible. I, they would be so popular right now. I know. Like, it's a shame. So. It,
0: it really grosses me out that, like, <laughs> there's, like, content, like, there's more, like, tweets being, like, stored of just, like, kids oh. <laughs> being, like... This McDonald's sucks. I'm going to Burger King. Like, like that shit is like recorded forever, but like all this like awesome music is like lost. You know?
1: Yeah, man, that's like the, the the aliens will find in a thousand years. Yeah, <laughs> and not like you know the pumpkin exposure. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I actually was trying to get some kind of like cover going of um the. It was like the bonus track on one of their albums. Like, oh, A- Agnes Sawbones. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. I, I, know. I was trying to like make some like remix of that basically. But I, the compilation it was supposed to be on never went down. But like, yeah, I feel like, I feel like there's got to be some kind of
1: resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. I don't like, know. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, To me, it just makes me think like there's that few people in the world who have access to those tapes or like CDs because no one's put them on YouTube, and I feel like most things end up on YouTube. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) I feel like
0: we were like the only not legit band that played at those shows. You know, you know what I mean. Like, like I felt like every other band was like basically like young adults that like were doing something. And I felt, I felt like we kind of had no business being, <laughs> being, I don't know, playing with, like, the great unraveling and shit. But, which, you know.
1: I get what you're saying. It's, um,
0: it's just, it's just a weird, <laughs> it's just a weird thing to think about.
1: Well, those guys were, like, a couple years older than us, yeah, like, in the first totally. place. So they were more on, like, you know, I guess, like, you know, when it comes down to it, yeah, sure, you could say, like, you guys, you guys were, like, not the like every night gigging band, like I mean at the time, but like right, right. I mean, this it, it, it was all perspective though. To me, like I was like, well, these guys are doing it, like. <laughs> but I mean, like I was, right, right. It's right. like I, I I don't know. Like I, I guess, like as far as like what I know now, I guess you could say like what you're saying. Like you might not have been the idea man yet, but yeah. I thought your band was good. I like this oh. a lot.
0: Oh, I appreciate
1: it, man. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think like. Once you guys did, uh, started doing, like, Super Bass Squad, like, that was, like, more, like, when you started getting out and doing it, like, I think, like, hardcore. Yeah, like, yeah. That's, like, the time. That's where I can look back and notice the difference. Okay, now that was a band that played, like, the scene as opposed to the church, you know? Right, like, right, 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 so, Like, When did you
0: start writing songs more, seriously? Um,
1: when I... Uh, when Greg Lawn taught me how to play a power chord... First time I actually learned how to write a, uh, I started listening to punk rock and I was like, "Whoa, okay, I can do this." And like, <laughs> I started like getting into songwriting because I was like playing, I was playing with uh, uh, some folks and um, it was like a it was various people who were associated in that group that was in high school with us, but like yeah, the uh, we were doing bulbous covers for like a month. <laughs> that's crazy. So like that's <laughs> like, there's like there's like there's like videos we have them somewhere like playing like. In the shower and stuff like that, I remember And uh,
0: oh, yeah, because you were playing with like Jeremy, Jeremy, yes, yeah, and, and uh, yeah,
1: Greg, yeah. and um, I remember, uh, yeah, so I, but eventually, that was like, you know, I, I gotta write my own songs. I just back then, I felt like you know. Greg was in the band like these songs are just like laying around I'm just gonna like take them <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it was like this, I, I thought this was like okay, okay for whatever reason like cause I really liked the songs I thought they were going to waste but like anyway I knew this wasn't gonna continue so I started kinda like some one day just happened I, like, this I was like I'm gonna write writing punk songs it was like easy for me I don't know yeah that's how it started there like seriously writing I wrote little things on like like I said back in the day like Keyboards and stuff. But yeah. Guitar and, like, verse, chorus, verse. The way, they like, got write stuff nowadays, I guess, is around that time.
0: Three Prong outlets started in, like, the late 90s?
1: Uh, yeah. Like, like, 99, um, uh, like, 98, 99. Yeah. Uh, right at the end of high school, um, we started getting more serious at that point, and, uh, um, I don't know, we played, like, uh, I, that just went full blast like i just like i was like now i'm gonna do this like i got a band i got songs like, yeah and like i thought like it was really really good like and looking back like it, it totally wasn't yet like there was, it took a minute for that band to be a respectable sounding band i mm. thought but like i don't know uh i don't know if we were ever a respectable sounding band but like it took me a minute to really like say okay now this sounds like a band doing what this type of band would do and sound. But looking back on that time period, like there's a lot of things that would have been completely different, mm. totally different. Like screwed it all up. <laughs> it,
0: yeah, it's hard to look when you look back that far. I guess it's kind of <laughs> weird to be like, I should have done
1: it different. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Just,
0: it is what it is at this this point. Or something.
1: It is what it is. Exactly. Nothing can do about it. Like, yeah, <laughs> say no regrets. But I mean. But you do have uh, regrets. Yeah, exactly. I think every, to say no regrets means you're completely happy, and I, I think very few people are completely happy. So, um, and maybe even I don't know. I'm like I'm happy, but like yeah, I, I would like to have seen what would have happened if I'd done this differently back mm. then versus like that. You know,
0: like where did you guys start playing originally?
1: <clears throat> My mom's basement. <laughs> like,
0: uh, no, no. Like where did you start playing shows? Oh, like,
1: shows. Uh, this uh, first show is at Kaiten's high school talent contest. Oh wow. Um, and uh, we played two songs, and it, it was probably not, it was exciting. All I remember is, like, just, like, white light, like, and I couldn't see anything else because it was just the spotlight in this big auditorium, and just, just this, like, huge barrage of, like, noise and, like, guitar, like, just, like, echoing on this huge auditorium. And I just remember not even knowing how he kept it together because I couldn't hear drums or anything. It was just, like, going on sheer, like, instinct of, like, playing with these guys every day for, like, mm. f- like three months, and, like... Uh, yeah. It got um. It was cool. I remember being really like, "This is awesome!" And then we played our second actual show at this place called the Underground. Um, it was just like a church venue that used to run shows down in Dundalk.
0: Okay. And, oh uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carla Crisp used to run it. Uh, um, and she uh, booked us, and uh, we played like a full set, and everyone came out, and it was a typical first show because there was like you know forty people there who never came again. And like, yeah. and uh, we played like you know like fifteen songs, and it was horrible. It was like the worst. It was the first two songs show we did sounded good, I thought, but this one I was like, wow, I sing terribly. Like my guitar just went out of tune. I couldn't tune it. Like all the typical things that happened at like a first show. I think at one point we did a cover of a Rancid song, and like uh, the drummer AJ turned the beat completely around, and like uh, I think I stopped playing. And then he started playing again. Like so we stopped the song like in the middle of it, which is something you're supposed to never do. Um, I do it all the time now. <laughs> but I don't feel like playing a song; I just stop. it. like back then, it was like a big deal, a yeah. big sin. But <laughs> yeah, it was.
0: Yeah, it's funny cause, like remember we used to go to the, like PACA? <clears throat> It was like that like camp that like Mariette was part of and stuff.
1: Oh, I don't think I went to that. Right. Right. We we're
0: Like, me and Mickey used to go and stuff. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But it would be, like, whatever, like, project we had at the time, we would just play at this, like, talent show. And it was kind of, like, no matter how ill-prepared or bad you're, you are, it's, like, people can just take, like, one or two songs. Like, you, you know, you, like, you can, like, sing out of tune for, like, <laughs> and, like, the initial excitement of, of being, like, their band is up there doing their thing. <laughs> it's, like... It's like enough that it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me, me, it it gets,
1: it gets people pumped up to see like, you know, I, I, I get what you're saying. Back then, it's like easier to get pumped and it's like, oh, well, these like, the band, you know? Like, yeah, like, yeah. But, uh um I was, I was trying to make like something happen with music so I just started taking it seriously and not, yeah. that's, uh yeah, the wrong outlet. Yeah. And was that like, you, AJ and Steve at this time? Yes, uh, yeah. me, AJ and Steve. <clears throat> um, and everybody there, uh, it was cool because we like learned to play. I mean, Steve had the most musical experience, I think, out of all of us. But uh, he played guitar, and he kind of like switched to bass for the band, hmm. and he kind of learned the bass. I think like basically with the band, I learned guitar basically with the band, and AJ learned drums basically with the band. Like none of us like really, I don't on the instruments we played. None of us were particularly like badass yet. So it was yeah. really a very organic band that came about just because it it's like what we knew how to do. did what we did with it
2: Um, yeah
1: you know and people started liking it around town for a minute
0: (laughs) it seemed like you had a a like baltimore county
1: following yeah yeah it was always cool we had all the burb kids we had like uh um uh they uh especially like it, it was really like the surrounding counties, like, uh, really picked up more on it than the city, yeah. Um, but we had for a minute there was like some really big shows, and everybody was really nice. I think a lot of what I might have, like, I mean, I was always trying to like talk to the kids who came regularly and like yeah. meet them and get to know them, like, I would hang out sometimes, like, uh, I think that might have helped a lot with having people be like, oh, okay, like, you know, these people are cool, like, they're not just oh, yeah. gonna be like stuck up, like, so that. And I tried to, like, make flyers that incorporated them, like, put little contests in them and, like, things like that, so. Yeah. I think that might have helped a lot with, like, the suburbs, the suburban kids getting into it. Yeah. Um, it was like, it's, like, part of like, a community, like, people, like, you know, uh, uh, people like community, and, like, if you can form any sort of community within a community, it, like, attracts people and who are, like, minded in a sense, and they get down with it, so it was a cool time.
0: Yeah. I I think it's cool cuz it was like Chris Freeland doing all these Methodist church shows which was so awesome and then they just like the minute he stopped that shit just totally died. Yeah. And then I feel like you guys kind of had like a new Catonsville
1: scene. Yeah, what's it called? Chris Freeland uh he uh Yeah, that I guess was a different that was a different scene. That was a scene that I like Went to first was like, the yard sale shows and stuff right, right, and all right. that. Like, um, but I, uh, I didn't what's it called? Um, I th- there was like a, a period between like when Chris stopped and I started doing it, where they were, yeah, I guess it was like empty. Uh, yeah, that band Fat Kid used to play a lot though. You remember then? No, no, you remember Fat Kid Mm-mm. really back of the bus? That like band, uh, they played, uh, yeah, I don't know, but they were a band that I thought was kind of popular in the area, but I never went to one of their shows um but maybe yeah i guess the the next big scene formed with like three-prong outlet um yeah
0: what like what were your other main bands you would play with
1: oh so man when we first started it was like there was this band 601 that was like my friend matt's oh, band man. uh there was uh um t this band called tbr used to play um that's right that was the only local ones i recall playing with on the regular until later uh this band called Impulse, I think, played later on. Um, uh, then a lot of bands started forming, um, like Band from the Basement and uh, the Pro Choice Vegans. Like there was all these bands that started forming around once that scene. That's what's cool about having a scene like coming erupt in your town is like all of a sudden there's bands when there weren't bands before, and like people yeah. start like seeing a reason to do something. It's it is really it's it's, it's like a cycle. Like it's like the same thing as like you know I went to a show and saw like you know your band play and like. Was like, oh, this is cool. I'm gonna do this. And like, you know, it's like this like self-perpetuating, like like things. It's like constant, like everything else, you know, always rolling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as around town, like I mean, like uh, there was this band called Undermind that used to play with us a lot. Uh oh, yeah. they were like sound kind of, like Limp Biscuit and Corn and stuff, and um uh Master Plan <laughs> and um uh oh man compulsive behavior. There was so many ven- these guys, um uh yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what any of these people are doing now, but like, yeah, there was that was the first like wave of bands we used to play with then.
0: You guys toured some, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, we toured a good amount. Yeah. Um, uh we did about six tours together, um, mostly like Midwest and like East Coast stuff. Um, a lot, of, a lot of the one of the dudes in the band was in school, so like we had, we were like kind of confined to only touring during like breaks for a minute and. Uh, Aj. Well, no, AJ went off to school. Uh, he never got to tour with us. Um, oh, okay. But uh, uh, Graham, yeah. uh, was in school. He was uh, the the dude who ended up ultimately being the the drummer who like lasted out three prong outlet. Yeah. Um. But uh, he went to yeah. He was in school, so we couldn't tour as much as I would have liked to. I
0: remember you putting out this now or never album, and and being like. Li- like, to me, like, literally, it's now or never, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, for the band.
1: You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, Three Frog Out was on this trip about, like, we had to, like, make it. Like, back then, like, there was this idea. I mean, there wasn't, like, YouTube and all this stuff where you could just be like, oh, okay, we're good. There was, the mentality of things were were different depending on where your, like, geographical location was, what yeah. you were exposed to, all kinds of stuff, like, in that time period, band, bands like, got very popular, got big, they wanted record deals. Like, everybody, like, I knew was into doing some sort of thing like that. Yeah. So it was, like, definitely a goal-oriented... I guess there was a lot of goal-oriented thinking going on uh, to some degree back then. And uh, we were all, like, you know, if we don't make it by, like, whatever age, 24 years old or whatever, 25, like, we're, we're not... <laughs> we're not going... We're going to have to get, like, a real job, and, like, all this right, stuff. Like, right. It was just over. We couldn't do music forever. So we thought, like... And plus, I-, I think we were also not getting along. Like, you know, there was, like, some problems going on with me and, like, Steve.
2: Mm.
1: Uh So I think, like... And music was changing, too. Like, it was, like... A lot of, like, the poppy or punk sound at that time was fading out, and, like, emo and, like, screamo and hardcore revival was coming in in replace yeah. of that. So... It just seemed like, yeah, now or never. I thought the title was terrible. I thought the cover of the album was terrible. The whole, I thought it was just awful. But like
0: Even like, at the time?
1: Yeah, it was terrible. I didn't have control over the graphic design, so it was kind of one of those things. And, like, I don't know. <laughs> That's like, uh, you know, I, that was an example. Like, I just think, like, Steve and I might have been having, like, different, like, viewpoints as to where we wanted it to go and, like, yeah. you know, different way of looking. It started out very much like we had, like, the same concept, basically, and then I think it just grew be different and because we were the founding people of the band it was kind of like pretty integral to me that like we had some sort of like common directive cause, or direction because uh, we had, uh, you know otherwise like it, it was just it, it wouldn't it, it was harder to replace him for me in my mind I felt like there was such an ingrained image of him in like our small town that it would be hard to like trans transition away from him yeah. but I was thinking very small scale like you know There was a whole world that had never heard of us, you know, so it would have been fine. Uh, But it was just a very cataclysmic period in my life. When that band broke up, I was like, oh man, like, what am I going to do now? Like, the idea of going solo just did not dawn on me until it did, Mm. which was after I spent, like, you know, tons of time trying to replace Steve. And I found this guy to replace him who was really good. This guy, Ryan Kibbe, he was a nice guy. And he uh, worked really hard to get it down and, like, uh, he was great. At, once he got it together, as far as bass playing and backup vocals and the whole like look and everything that we were doing, like, uh, but I at that point once we were ready to go, I started to then be like, oh, I kind of want to just do some solo stuff. Like, yeah, I'm tired of dealing with like you know people and shit. And, yeah, uh, so like, uh, it, it was kind of like I I just wanted to have. You know, I wanted I I wanted to have more like. I was tired of relying on everybody else to like you know get what I wanted to get done done. I thought if I just went solo, you know I could just handle the whole situation easier, yeah, um, and uh, there was more freedom in like you know turning the distortion pedal off at the time for me, you know, getting into like the acoustic guitar and like learning how to actually like you know not just shred like power chords over and over and right like right, to right, get into like learning an instrument that was like so it but I wouldn't have thought you know when 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 Steve and I decided like you know. Split up that I'd be doing like solo stuff, and know as much as I know about guitars and stuff. Yeah, that was like a.
0: <laughs> so yeah, did you have like a? Was it kind of
1: a long period of like
0: getting this solo stuff together?
1: No, nah, I kind of just jumped right into it, and like you know, it was, I think whenever you do anything new. You, you're coming at it from a perspective of like I don't know what's good or bad I don't know what I like or not yet and I don't know what people are liking yet so there's not a lot of that external influence going into your creative process to like kind of like create like a, a fog to some degree and like create things like writer's block and self doubt yeah. which does happen so I think like for me it was like because looking back now I'm like man that early stuff I wrote as a solo artist was like not very good like that's my opinion now but at the time I can remember very clearly being like this is like it's great the best like, Ever like, and uh, you know, I think like it, it, a new, yeah, like new, like painting on like a different canvas with different colors and all that, you know, is always going to create this innocence that's going to make things more exciting. And I think that in that excitement comes that like great create creative moments, like times. And that's why over time, when people do the same thing over and over, I I think their work can suffer. Yeah. And that's why I think you see a lot of artists like their later albums tend to not be as strong as their early ones. Yeah, because that innocence is lost. There's all that external stuff getting in the way to cloud up your perspective. Mm. Uh, so I think it's important to keep changing stuff over the years. Me too. Uh, but yeah, and to answer the question, I think yeah, it it was not that hard because yeah, new I didn't know any better. You know, <laughs> did
0: you did you have any like self consciousness about like? suddenly coming, like, you know, like, performing live
2: is, like, a whole different thing.
1: (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, no, because I think one of the things that comes from, uh, doing things in your, like, early 20s, um, and teens is ego, and, uh, sometimes you don't even know it's there at the time but looking back it's like yeah I could say you know, I, I didn't think I could do any wrong I thought I was like, really great at like what I was doing and like whether I was or not it didn't matter because I thought I was and my perspective yeah. was why should I be afraid of this when I know I'm good so and it could be skewed or not but the point was like at the time that's how I was feeling so it really helped me to get out on the stage and just say you know I can do this confidence you know ego says it's a bad sounding word but I think there's a degree of that I can admit that was there at the time um yeah yeah yeah
0: and like, like, where did you start playing with that stuff? Uh, I feel like I I went to some of the shows that would be like the earlier shows.
1: I I remember I first started doing stuff at the college perk coffee house open mic like up in College Park. Oh shit! Yeah, uh, that was where I like tried out all those new songs. That used to be a really fun scene. Um But I think. Uh, geez, I can't remember the first like solo shows I played. Yeah. I, Cafe Tattoo and like or no, I mean Cafe Mojo, maybe on like you know, yeah, know yeah. Bel Air Road, Harford Road. I, I have no idea. I haven't. Been, I haven't thought about that in forever. I have no clue where I started playing solo. <laughs> <laughs> I guess anywhere anyone let me. I mean, right, right, right. You know, I, 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 probably the safest you know, thing to say is the l- leftover venues and contacts from three prong outlet. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and like. Did you have a hard time? I I I feel like I remember you saying you're having a hard time, sort of finding an audience for it at first.
1: Yeah, I I was because I I I was playing this sort of like it was like it was like you know it was sort of like three prong outlet without distortion at the time. It was almost just like it was like folk punk, like yeah. it was like acoustic punk, whatever you want to call it. It was very fast, you know, acoustic music. Um, with this punk edge to it which is like very popular now uh, uh but at the time it was not something that was going on if it was I wasn't aware of it and I would be playing shows and you know none of the kids were getting it I remember getting stuff like candy corns and stuff thrown at me at one of the first like uh uh solo shows I did at this place up in the uh, um Forget where it was—upstate New York, somewhere, Ithaca or somewhere. (laughs) These kids just kind of giggling and laughing about it, and I was just like, "Man, what am I gonna do?" So the alternative to that was to play like you know just bars and anything I could find that was like someplace in acoustic I would play. And when you're when you're doing lyrical acoustic acoustic music and originals, a lot of times loud bars are not the place to uh, uh, get like people to hear what you're doing because they're talking so much. So I did a lot of like stuff like that at first before I really. I mean, I don't know, and like now, it's like you see, hear a lot of bands sounds like sounding like that, and artists sound like that, and uh, yeah, and I think you know, there's no way to tell, like it wasn't, there's no way to tell, like oh, here's this scene. It just depends on when you stumble on something, when something's making its wave, things go in waves, and they come up, yeah, and, you know, it just depends on which wave you catch, you know, whether or not you get into something.
0: Yeah, totally. And like, I guess, like, at what point did you
1: move to New York? Um, <clears throat> I moved to New York, I guess in like, maybe 2005, six, uh, for the first time, I, I just decided, like, now I'm solo and I have these folky songs, so I might as well go to Grinch Village, because that's what the folks <laughs> do, I, I don't know, I just, I, I want I was liked in New York, and like, it seemed like now is a good time to go, and I took my van up there, and I like, uh, lived out of my van, Uh, and busked in the street and stuff in the parks for money for a little bit I met this girl I went to college with for the semester or two that I attended and she invited me to come stay with her in this closet space out in uh on Rockaway Boulevard which was like 40 minutes from Manhattan on the train and uh yeah I just I stayed there for 120 bucks a month and i made on the street busking for a year uh it was cool (laughs) it was uh yeah, you, you know, it, it's it's cool to be, like, in New York City for the first time and, like, living with a bunch of, like, girls who, like, are pretty much basically letting you stay for free in a closet. Yeah. And, like, they were all dancers at, like, a, a club, so like, they had tons of money coming in all the time, and, like, they just didn't care. Eventually, I think I didn't even pay anything to, like, stay on the couch. So, like, yeah. But then they all moved to Portland and stuff. It, it was in, like, Far Rockaway or something? Um... Yes, it was in Rockaway Boulevard. Uh, no, 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 not far Rockaway. It was not across the water. It was uh right before that. Okay. <clears throat> so in like Jamaica area or Queens. Oh, okay. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the under the bridge spots, like yeah. train bridge.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. And, man, w- you probably did this busking life harder than anyone that I've ever known. <laughs> like,
1: um, it's been fun. Uh I, I don't busk much these days, but yeah. I definitely have pounded some pavement <laughs> with like busking in the streets. Uh yeah, I, I uh I played I used to make really good money in New York busking. Like I, I remember at the time I was like, This is the most amazing thing ever. Oh my gosh, I can play in the street in the park and people actually give me money for it. Yeah. Wow. And like I would just do it all the time. Want a slice of pizza, you went and played a song, you get a slice of pizza, like it was so easy. Like um, you need meet people all the time, like all these weirdos coming up. Hey, you're great! I'm gonna like make you famous. Take my car. Like all these like crazy characters, yeah. like people who were like, "Oh, you remind me of like John Prine when I was like 29. I used to see him play at the Cafe Wall. Like all this like weird stuff, you know? Like yeah. And it was a great way to meet people and learn the psychology of how people think and behave. Like you'd see, like you know, if you knew, if you saw like a mother and her daughter, like. Uh say like a girl of like four or five years old, and like the girl starts dancing to your music. It was always guaranteed that like you know the mother would come over and like give her a dollar to hand you or something, yeah, like. so like you know there was just all these situations I learned that people that people like would would react to if you could like say a lyric or a line. I remember when I was in the subway, I used to make sure my best lines would come out in between the trains, so people who were sitting there waiting for trains. The people who were waiting for the trains could hear them and a lot of times when they could hear a good line they would look you in the eye looking back in the eye and like they'll connect and they'll start listening to more mm. of it like there's just great ways to get people into it and like i learned how to do a lot of that through busking and i ended up getting this book about buskers in new york city that was called uh the noise beneath the apple a, like coffee table book that's just uh has like you know 50 buskers uh who play in new york all this all like pictured and write-ups about them and. uh that was, but that, after that, I kind of, st- kind of stopped busking. After that book came out, just like coincidentally, like it's like, ah, uh, it became like, like anything you know. I do things and they get old, like hardcore, yeah. like just like, you know I'll still do it sometimes if I need to, but it's not something I do like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get busked today, yeah, it's not my thing right now. <laughs>
0: Do you think the busking shit could, like, drive you insane after a while?
1: I, I mean, for, yeah, it did for me, absolutely. Like,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, anytime you're playing, even touring, like, all the time, like, if you're playing your songs over and over every night. Like, I like, tour for, like, two years and stuff, like, straight almost, and, like, it was the like, same thing as busking. Like, you play the same things over and over again. I mean, me, personally, I start, I need a break. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I, I gotta, like... You can't like put the energy behind a song and have that energy go out into the world and like hit people if you're not feeling the the song yourself. So you need to like step away for a second sometimes, and uh, that's why like recently I've just been like not like taking some time off touring, and just like kind of trying to write some stuff, get into something new. Ho- yeah. I plan on go back on tour in the springtime through the summer and all, but uh, you know, um, I think it can definitely drive you insane. Anything can drive you insane. <laughs> I, I think to me to me
0: I, I remember Colin telling me
1: about, oh you know, like P.T. Burnham, right? I, I know him. I just actually recently, I know of him through you, and I recently met him on the internet, reacquainted, like, oh, now we're playing the same circuit. so Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, like, I remember him telling me about, he
0: got his MPC, and, and, like, these two little speakers that he, like, hooked up to his backpack or something, and it was, like, He was like, I'm going to be this, like, MPC busker. When when he lived in, like, Philly. That's (laughs) cool. And he told me, I think he he almost got beat up and got, like, detained by the police, like, on the first day. (laughs) (laughs) That was quick. Like, it's just like, like he was just like, this is brilliant idea and like 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 a few minutes into being like (laughs) it's like drama (laughs) but I think with with this like public performance like that it's like I think there's something crazy about you have no you have you have no like boundaries kind of like like if you're playing a, a show on a stage and someone comes up to you and does some weird shit or something, you can more be like back off and everyone will support you. But if you're just on the street playing, it's kind of, you're just like completely on your own. <laughs>
1: you're vulnerable more on the street. Yeah, than, Like you know, you're, you have a, uh, you are, you are now out there and there, any kind of person can come through and, and uh, do whatever they want. Um, I've never had any terrible experiences with anyone. Like when I've been busking, like no one just like completely bonkers just come and attack me or anything. But, uh, yeah. I've had people tell me to stop playing or shut up or whatever, but, uh, you know, usually they were very angry people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but I do like the idea of, uh, <laughs> like, you know, like, actually, like, the P.T. Burnham's idea of, like, busking with actual, like, you know, electronic beats and stuff. Was <laughs> yeah, <pretty> yeah. cool.
0: <laughs> like, why did you end up moving back to
1: Baltimore? Um... I wanted to go on tour, uh, which is usually why I've left New York the couple times I've lived there is because I can't afford to, like, pay rent and, like, go on tour there a yeah. few the amount of times. Uh, it's just easier just to say, okay, like, six months is up. Like, I'm just, like, gonna go. And, like, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, when I was doing tour, when I touring I had to tour a long time. Like, it's, like, a thing. I want to do, like, three months or, like, it's always been, it's always been, like, two, three-month tours. And then, like, recently it's been, like, you know, like, literally, like, years worth of touring. Yeah. So, like, um... But I don't know, I, I left because I couldn't, like, New York can get old. I mean, like, it's a great place, I love it, uh, but it can wear you out. I just wanted, I wasn't getting my music to as many people as I wanted to either. Like, yeah. you can busk, busk forever, but it just depends on what you want from life, you know? I, I wanted more than, like, what was happening in New York for me, and uh, that's just, like, my personal, like, what was going through with me at that time, so... yeah. And, you know, I want to see the world, too. Like, I, I'm restless, man. I'm always, like, shaking. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go see stuff. Yeah.
0: So what was it like as you started to do these, like, huge solo tours?
1: The first ones were uh, just, you know, they were interesting. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't, I didn't really pick a scene up for the first, like, handful of tours. I kind of, like, you know, just playing bars and whatever kind of show I could get. And, like, and there wasn't a big audience for the stuff I was doing, really. Uh, I went on tour the first time with my brother and this guy, Rob. Corner. Oh yeah, you know Rob Horner. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, and then my brother had to go home about you know uh, a quarter way through it, and then me and Rob did the rest for the next like two and a half months together, and that was a really awesome tour as far as like just seeing the country and like getting out there and stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, I wouldn't say it was any it was effective at all as far as like it's done anything for me as far as like exposure <laughs> or like anything. Yeah. people bought the CD and this and that, but I didn't have a circuit that I could go back around and like you know hit those venues over and over like, yeah, yeah yeah and, and that's what, like facebook and stuff now makes it so much easier for folks who are coming up like just like they can just like you can, it makes it easier to network you can, your stuff can be shared when you're not in like your presence is always in someone's mind who has seen you and adds you on facebook yeah. or it's something it's different than a mailing list it's different than everything and it almost creates this little universe inside like your like own like profile like right uh, where and it's connected to other little universes and other people's profiles and it's really interesting. As for as bad as everyone says it is, and that it may be, uh, it's got it's it's really done some amazing things for like you know, art as well as like the, the internet in general has done amazing things for art as well as you know some debatably not so amazing things.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think I had very very similar experiences to you, uh, as far as just whole like, like like many years of my life where. I was touring and it was just like, this is doing nothing. <laughs> For, <laughs> like, just like, you know, it'd be like, okay, the weird like crust punk house in Denver. That'll let me have a show there. And then they like rave in like <laughs> Amarillo, Texas, and like, you know? And, and, and yeah. like, I just remember having this feeling of like, man, I'm really not doing anything. Like, i'm grinding i'm like working hard at getting out there but it's like there's no like context for it yeah you know i i I think it might have been the same with you it's like it's kind of like okay we've seen this guy sing songs and he had an acoustic guitar and we (laughs) bought the cd
1: exactly and then the
0: cd just kind of maybe just like sits in the
1: house and then on the thrift store waiting list, it's just, like, yeah. I don't think it ever got around. I mean, it might have. And there's also maybe, you know, it might have gotten around more than we think, but we had no, like, basis to notice back then. you know. Absolutely. Either. Like yeah. like I said, like, it creates this little world in your, like, Facebook profile where you can really see, like, how effective your, like, you know, your work has been, like, yeah, know, efforts have been. Um, and, yeah, that's why I think, you know, people coming up doing music now, like, they've got it made in some ways as far as, like, uh, People are booking tours left and right now, like, and they're they're getting around, and uh, yeah, um, it's totally because of Facebook and like the internet and like Tumblr and file sharing and like, uh, that's 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 something I I, I wish we had, and we were like you know fourteen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I also think there's there's not an option to not tour now. Oh yeah, right. I mean it's true. If you want your stuff out there, yeah. There's, there's no, there. no like I don't know, nothing <laughs> is impressive really, if you're not, or effective if you're not, like, getting in front of people's faces.
1: Yeah, I think that's got a lot to do with the fact that, like, you know, people don't buy music anymore, so therefore the money gets made on the road and through merchandise. Yeah. And I think it also has to do with, I think uh, kids today want, like, uh, well, honestly, I mean, kids, I mean, fans in general, but I think more, like, uh, the younger demographic, I think, are more interested in, like, knowing the artist, having some sort of, like, you know, one-on-one exchange or just something they want to like absolutely they, they want an interaction and i think that's why like touring has become such a necessary thing for certain scenes especially the independent music yeah uh, because people don't want that distance I think as much like, people want to know their artists they like they want to be part of that i mean it's always in that way i like think i said earlier like when i used to make the flyers that you know made like included like contests for like the fans or like and I talked to people. Want to be friends? They don't want to be fans. You know, I mean, right. that's like where I think it's changed a lot, and that's like something that I think is one of the main uh, benefits of touring is you can make a ton of friends, like people yeah. who otherwise would be fans who you never know. You now like have someone to hang out with that you're like, oh, cool, I get to go here and see this person. Yeah, there's no comparison, like between like
0: you know, like like there's all these scenes across the country that I like and want to be a part of. And the difference between, like, going up to these places and being like, hi, I'm Dan, and, like, you know, I'm this, like, human that's <laughs> going to be around you for the next, like, six hours at this show yeah, compared to, like, me just emailing you, like, some MP3s or, or something.
1: You, you know what like, I mean? Totally. That's,
0: like, like yeah. Yeah. But so how how did the tours switch for you from like not so hot to to something cool?
1: I feel like around like 2009 eight uh something started. I left New York City and uh I I I I started it just kind of like happened. Like there was like people started like getting more into like the sound i think i was doing Mm. and uh there was this uh there was this there's a record label called planet x records that uh it's an independent diy punk label and um they have a i played a show in baltimore with the guy who runs the label and uh he invited me to play uh Planet X Fest which is like a festival mm. in Bloomington, Indiana that draws people from all over the country the bands that are in, in that scene. Who's the guy? <laughs> oh, this guy Chris Clavin. Okay. Uh, you heard of Ghost Mice? Yeah. I'm fairly yeah. sure. It's that guy. Uh, okay. So, um, uh, he, I, I went out there and did that and I, I took the, this group of uh, uh, twin sisters called Heathers that were from Ireland. He needed someone to drive them out to the festival to play because they were one of his big acts. Uh, I volunteered to do it and he uh, booked us a tour out there and uh when I got to the festival, you know, I played, and I gave out, like, 100 CDRs to, like, whoever wanted them. Mm. And it kind of—it it it, it, it worked—it was interesting, because it, it was like a bomb—like a grenade like that, like, blows up and goes all over the country. Like, it was like, you go to one spot, and you handed all these demos, and everyone went back to their hometowns, and, like, uh, they had a copy of your record. And they were, oh, and then I was talking emails from people from, like, you know, Illinois or Indiana or, like, yeah. you know, Tennessee— saying like hey come play We come play my town and i just it just started that scene i guess just started coming up again in in another wave and i was there at the time and it just i got picked up on this network of uh diy folk punk Mm. um touring and that's what that's been like a really amazing experience i met some really cool people doing that and uh it's taken the whole i think the advent of facebook too and all that plays a big part like you know yeah, i'm connected with people all over the place who i talk to like i mean there's times i am been looking at my phone and i'm like oh who do i want to hang out with everyone i'm talking to i can't even see because they're in another state because i don't know as many people back home as i used to right, right. so uh yeah you develop some pretty close-knit like relationships with some of these or i do at least you know Definitely. like on the road so uh it just started getting good and i think it had a lot to do with just like the type of music had a everything's, like, right place at the right time for something, you know? I mean, but you gotta, like, try to make yourself active and available for, like, lightning to strike in any way. Like, Yeah. I mean, lightning doesn't have to strike and be, like, now you're, like, you know, the next, like, Bob Dylan. I mean, like, but, like, lightning could strike and be, like, okay, here's this really awesome uh, opportunity to have some great times in your life. And, like, it wouldn't happen if you hadn't have been out there trying to find it.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like... (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting that the folk punk stuff is kind of come back. Like, is, there's and there's this that band like Ramshackle Glory. Yeah, right. Yeah. And do you do you play with them, or I, is that one guy?
1: Uh, the, I I play with uh It's like Ramshackle Glory. Um, is this guy Pat the Bunnies? It's not his project, but he is involved in it. And he is in a band called Johnny Hobo and the Freight Trains that was really popular. Um couple years a bunch of years ago uh but i played shows with him and his band, ramshackle and uh yeah the, i think a lot of like the folk punk boom kind of happened when that band got popular i feel like that's like sort of coincides at the same time yeah. period. like i think like that has a lot to do with where that genre has like gone as far as people getting into it is just like uh i noticed that like Pat went uh, he's known uh, to have, he is known to have had some drug problems and he went to rehab for a year and he came out and uh, on his website it announced that he was out of rehab and uh, I think like in that time he was away for a year it, it created some like mythical kind of like persona form that uh, people were getting into and uh, he's a great songwriter too like for the genre he's doing so I think that helps also yeah. but when he got out of rehab I noticed that like an interest in that style of music starting to come around mm. and uh People would always tell me, and that scene people would say, "Oh, you, you're like our vocal our vocal sounds and like I guess like lyrical like we're playing ideas to some degree sync up with some listeners, and I think like that had a lot to do also with people like a certain audience getting into my stuff that didn't know about it before. So yeah, I'd say that all that kind of brewed together at the right time and the right mix and that's how I picked up got on that scene
0: it. I think it's it was interesting to me cuz remember remember when we played shows across the street from each other in Knoxville? Yes. Like yes. Like maybe 6 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It was like I I remember feeling like we each played a different sort of somewhat awkward and lame show and we <laughs> each went to each other's
1: sets. <laughs> and it was, I would I would have taken yours instead. There was people there. <laughs> I'm like a bartender. Yeah, yeah,
0: but but I I felt like okay, wow, like me and Matt are living really similar lives like like, you know if we're like literally across the street from each other doing the same thing
1: yeah totally parallel existence going on that was yeah yeah because i remember your the crowd at your show was kind of like it was like not even like it was a small crowd it was like it was just kind of like some dudes hanging and like what's gonna happen next and you're just kind of like going all out on stage and like some folks were in to it but yeah it was like the totally typical situation i've dealt with a thousand times where it's like there's a big portion of the crowd that was just kind of like, what's going on with this? Like,
0: yeah, I felt like people were like extremely high. <laughs> <laughs> I was. <laughs> but I just felt like it was like, once people are high and there's chairs, I think that's like the worst. Case <laughs> <thing ever. laughs> and then you're like standing up trying to like <laughs> emote to them, and they're like, this is weird.
1: Yeah, if you got a jump in stage show, and you want to get that crowd rolling. You don't want to play a stone room for sure. Like <laughs> yeah. it's not gonna benefit your situation at all. <laughs>
0: but it, I, I
1: guess, like, that
0: was a moment of like, wow, we're mm-hmm. we're kind of doing the same thing. And then, and the, but over, more recently, it's been like people being like, oh, you're from Baltimore. Like Matt Plus was just here like a couple weeks ago or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I feel like we're like playing the same rooms and everything you know same, yeah like house venues
1: and all- And that's something else that i noticed is that like it's um it, the with the independent music scene coming up like the way it has with like the internet being and facebook and all these things uh i feel like scenes that may not have been interacting at one time are now interacting same like, yeah the shows are being there's multiple types of genres on shows that would at one point have not had certain types of songs yeah. together. So like, and then I think there's also a much more close-knit network of like venues to play, like house shows, like a lot of them, like you, if you're on a touring circuit, there's only a handful of main ones. So if you're right. playing that scene, you're going to run into like people who know each other. And that's just, and that is also another testament to say like that scene has grown in popularity. Like just the whole idea, not really the scene, but the idea of like DIY house shows and touring is it's really blown up. I think it's because there's no other alternative. Like, it's just like people either want to do music or they can't, you know, and that's like what the options are. Yeah.
0: And right? it, yeah. It's like, yeah, the option is like stay home or play at these houses.
1: Yeah. Cause nobody wants to do that pay to play shit like that we used to have to deal with. I mean, no one yeah. likes to, have to be like, oh, let's sell like 100 tickets, you know, like it's just like ludicrous. Like, right. I mean, right. So I think there's a lot of, uh, it's a lot, a lot of it's a reaction to that, you know, and a reaction to a, a music industry that's just like you know, shutting people out and like not, really giving anybody a shot anymore so it's kind of like people have made their own way because humans find a way to do that like yeah it's like how it's going
0: (laughs) i i was really interested in your sort of i guess involvement with uh occupy wall street (laughs) like like i guess when when that was like that all went down in like 2012 right
1: yeah 11 12 something like that i was uh I was living at home in Baltimore at the time and I was bored and I saw Occupy Wall Street was going on on the internet and I was like this is exciting I'm gonna check it out so I went up there in a bus and I went and checked out Zuccotti Park and uh, I ended up just hanging out there meeting people seeing what was going on um, I mean I wasn't like you know at the helm of the revolution or anything like I was just kinda, yeah. like, one of those guys hanging out like checking it going on um, but I was doing a lot of busking there um, uh, and um that, I thought, was, like, pretty pretty enjoyable, because a lot of my music was relating... People were relating to a lot of the topics in my more topical songs there, Yeah. so I felt like those songs had, like, a home there, and I kind of had, like, a purpose to do something, because mm. people were... There was people staying there all the time, like, in the street, like, just, like, sleeping all night. Like, they were digging music more than, say, the average passerby would. Um
0: uh Yeah, and, they need it, kind
1: of. Yeah, exactly, and I... And it was, a. I mean, say what you want about it. I have plenty to say about it myself that I won't get into, but, like... uh I think it, for all its like faults, I think it had a lot to do. I think it brought a lot of attention towards economic inequality and stuff in the country, which yeah. wasn't there before on a, uh, you know, mainstream level. And I think that is something that should be looked at as like a testament to like what it did. Um, I mean, but my main thing with that was like, yeah, all these people, on your lawn, you know, and they're all yelling for different things that they want mm-hmm. changed, or else they're not going to get off your lawn there's just no way one person is going to be able to fix everybody's problems because a lot of people's right. problems, like, don't – their solutions don't sync up with each other in the yeah. first place. So it's, like, how can you really make everyone get out of this park when, you know, I personally didn't see any sort of cohesive goal. You would hear everybody say different things. It was, like, everyone from, like, like, you know, libertarians to anarchists to, like, far-left thinkers yeah. to, like, everything you could think of was there. Everybody wanted something different – there was some like similarities in people's like uh issues they had with things, but there was a lot of different stuff going on and ideas getting thrown around uh, but it was educational and yeah. it was cool and uh you know it's something I did uh but at this point it's not what I do you know? like yeah. do not know what's going on with it at this point
0: I remember you getting on this occupy album like what what was the deal with that exactly
1: um i uh I was on this guy saw me playing in the park. Um, uh, he's an insurance salesman, and he came up and he said he wanted to do an album uh, for the benefit the Occupy movement. And he said he wanted me to have the first track on it. So I went and did that, and the album turned out to be pretty. Uh, it was pretty heavy. Uh, they had like you know a bunch of big names on it, like Joan Baez and like Jackson Brown, Willie Nelson, a lot of big people who contributed. And then the guy's idea was to to combine small artists with big artists, and uh, it would get the small artists' attention through the big artists, and all the money would go towards the Occupy movement to help it. But you know, there was a lot. There was this whole like there uh, there were people involved in that were trying to push me as like the Occupy guy, and I thought that was like kind of goofy because like. I I get what they were trying to do, but people are always associating things with what they know. And they're like, oh, Bob Dylan and, like, the 60s and Revolution. We need to find something that reminds us of that. And, like, that's what they were thinking. And, like, and like with something like Occupy Wall Street, it's absurd because that means they're not even getting the whole message of the movement. The whole movement was a horizontal, like, concept. And uh, there was room for everyone to kind of, like, write a song. That was the whole purpose of it was they didn't want to have anything, like, that was one common thing. Seeing people didn't really want to have, they wanted equality. And the the very idea of like, I suppose uh, a a singled out singer songwriter being the voice of a, of a movement that had so many different, like, you know, uh, so many different like cultures involved in it. Like that may or not, that may not have had any, been able to relate to like, you know, something I was singing in the style or genre or even like, you know, like the words. And that's like something that like, this isn't the sixties anymore. It was just like, you know, uh, there was only there was the Columbia Records sold you like you know Bob Dylan's folk music and like you were like this is what you're gonna like listen to if you want to like uh you know change shit and, and like I feel like that is not the way things are anymore like Occupy Wall Street wasn't something like that and I got annoyed with constantly being portrayed as like this the guy just because like I was involved in something that was getting exposure involved with the movement that was greater than you know someone else playing guitar in the park who wasn't on that album and that kind of I thought didn't make much sense because the whole movement wasn't it was all that no one no percent which means like no one higher than this right no, like, right I felt like that was kind of what was going through people's minds and that was annoying and um so I kind of I, I kind of ducked out of that whole the whole thing some stuff went down with the people who made it and I and I haven't an, uh been involved with them since, (laughs) but the album is out there. I'm not sure where the money's going right now since there's no Occupy Wall Street really happening, but (laughs) that's a whole other story. (laughs) It's kind of far out, because, like,
0: you know, obviously you kind of are not, you want to downplay that, but if you think about it, even if you think it was totally lame that you were highlighted in this way, like, like I don't think it was lame I don't think it was lame yeah I I just feel like there was
1: continue go ahead
0: no I I just think you could say that if any one dude was sort of like bolstered any artist was bolstered by the Occupy movement it
1: would be you I I don't I don't know I mean there was so many people like playing I mean it's all like you know perspective once again I mean you know there was people down there, like, uh, you know, for instance, like I mean, let's just say that, like, you know, someone who is primarily listening to like uh, reggae tone music, and that's what they're into, and they're very passionate about the Occupy movement, and that's the sound that they feel, like that's what's yeah. going to convey their message that they want to put in there. I don't think I have any business being their voice because, like, I'm not, I don't have their exp- the experience they've had, like, yeah. and I, I felt like there was a lot of more you know, there was a lot more room for people to like, you know, make their own anthems, make their own, like, that's what that thing was about, and like, yeah. you know, my song wasn't even that good for it, I didn't even like it, like, I was just like, this is fucking shite, you know, <laughs> like, so, I, I, I was always, it just got on my, I mean, the, the guy was involved and in he had like, publicists and stuff, like, you know, yeah. getting interviews and things in big magazines for it, like they had a, they had my song on the front page of the Rolling Stone website for the magazine like for yeah. a minute like it was just like a big deal i mean like it didn't do much as far as like you know uh you know it didn't do much as far i I just think people they were looking to find like a they wanted to find they, they needed to build this thing this like this idea to 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 sell a product and like they needed a a Bob Dylan type character or Woody Guthrie, or whatever. I had harmonica and curly hair and some lyrics that were pretty cool. And then there was like, okay, this guy happened. This is the guy I want to use for it. Yeah. And like, it doesn't matter whether or not I was the only. I don't think you can even like tell if like I was who else there would be because like I say, you know, there's artists you have no clue like about, you know. Like, right. You know, so, uh, I I just I see what they were trying to do, and like I'm not downplaying it, it wasn't lame, but like it was sort of like you know it reminded me of like a Vegas act. Like it's just like, you know, like people go to Vegas to see somebody that, something that makes them think they were like it's like you know like what's his name Tom Jones or something yeah something that's like Barry Manilow these people who like you know someone's gonna go there and be like oh like or an Elvis impersonator you know it's just like I felt like an Elvis impersonator for like Bob Dylan going on with like you know Occupy to some degree and that was kind of annoying because like I know writers who are making songs this guy Ryan Harvey I know like he was up there making music for Occupy Wall Street not for it but he's like way better at what he's doing as far as like protest music than anything I'm doing like uh and that's like his complete like he, that's his completely like, thing. It's his mission. That's what he does. Like, yeah. You know, and like, I'm doing all kinds of songs. I'm doing like, you know, love songs and like, you know, other types of music. And like, I have a handful of topical songs, but I mean, uh he was down there playing and I always thought, like you know, like he's, he's not getting, he's not even on this album. Like, I don't know if he would want to be on it anyway, Uh but say so he had, uh I'm not sure why, like, I can mean, I tell you right now, like he could have easily have been in the position that I was in, like mm. if the guy had heard him and wanted to do d- use him for that situation. Right. So in my mind, I just feel like it wouldn't be fair to say, like you know, Matt Pless was like, who else would they use? You know, I, right. I, I right. know other people who they could have used, and the, and the key word here is used. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> this whole like thing where it's like everyone's supposed to like, you know, like come to like a consensus about everything and and like. Yeah, and it's, like, this, like, rich <laughs> dude comes in, and he's like, I got this money, and I'm going to, like, make this thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Like, like, exactly. Like, it's a chance for... That's what happens to these movements, you know? Put something in the public eye, and then all the, the leeches come out, and they're just like, okay, what can I do with it? Like, um I'm not saying anyone's, like, a leech, but, I mean, it's just, like, the, the concept of, like, you know, and here's this, like, opportunity to come in and, like, you know, like, let's let, let's see what we can do with this. I yeah. Mean, it's, like... It's free publicity, you know. Right. What, you, don't to, you don't have to pay for it. It's just happening, and if you attach yeah. yourself to it, it's going to give you free publicity. Like it makes total sense what was going on with all that. I there's just like issues with that album that I'm just like I like I don't know where the money is. Like I'm not sure. I wasn't seeing any of it. I wasn't supposed to, but the Occupy movement was, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure right now what that what's happening with that. And, yeah, you know, I just don't, and I I don't really want to be involved in all that. Like it's. I have no transparency as to what's going on with stuff, and that's not something I'm really into.
0: Yeah. And so that was, like, the fallout,
1: kind of. Yeah, more or less, yeah. there were some things that went down in regards to that. Uh, I felt like there was, you know... Uh, I wasn't being treated right by uh, certain people involved uh, with my career uh, through that I met through that record that came mm-hmm. out. And, uh...
0: What, did you you like landed like a manager through that yeah, yeah there was
1: a guy who was working with me and uh you know it just like it just got ugly in some some degree like there was hmm. uh just some differences in opinion about some stuff where things wanted to go and like you know lack of like communication i feel on his part and uh there was a lot of um you know there, there was a lot of stuff there was a lot of stuff that I felt like I was being um, manipulated with and I didn't like that and uh, I didn't trust anything that was happening in the whole situation by the end of it so yeah I just ducked out and said I'm done I don't want to work with this anymore
0: it seems like you just did last year you did like two like massive tours
1: yeah it ago. was three or three actually three full. Hmm. I I went on tour for a lot of that time with this girl, uh, Francie Moon. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, we we would play every night uh, for the most part, and you know, there was periods where we did stay in like you know certain areas for an extended period of time. Yeah. Then, like like Northern California and like Denver and you know so it wasn't every day and we did come home for like you know a month around Christmas or two and then we went on another little tour for a month and then came home for like three weeks and then went on another huge six-month tour <laughs> like yeah. it was just like <clears throat> this constant rotation and that was one of the cool things about the folk punk scene that i was playing on is like you could literally set shows up within like you know three weeks of the time that you were had to mm. be at some place and that was uh something that was pretty handy as far as like getting around
0: so you leave
1: for the tour without
0: the whole tour being
1: booked oh <laughs> uh, yeah <clears throat> we, we'd book it out to the west coast and then yeah. have to kind of figure it out from there oh wow <clears throat> so like we just roll around, spend some time in one space, and like, I've, I've been like, I've been like, kind of recycling the money I've been making on these tours, and that's my like fund of, poor funding music money. Yeah. So I try to keep that separate from the money I have to spend as far as like at home, but uh, life money. Life money, yeah. And on the road, your merch becomes your life money in my mind. Yeah. Like you sell your like shirt and you get money for a sandwich or whatever, and uh, you know, it it, it works out really well the DIY thing.
0: It's good to hear that you're you're making enough money to sustain the tours. But like that's something that I I feel like is a recent victory of mine. Like it used to be like I'd I'd like work and save up my money from work and in addition to paying my bills, pay for the tour. Yeah. Which is insane. Exactly. Like and it's like no, I, I'm glad to hear it's, like, we're in the same boat as far as that's concerned. Like, it'd be in a more profitable, or not profitable, but sustainable operation.
1: Yeah, totally. It's a lot easier than it used to be. But, and, I mean, I hope it lasts like that. I mean, I don't know. I always think of, like, if Facebook disappeared, like, the whole touring network would crumble, like, in a second, I feel like, at this point. like Like, it wouldn't crumble... It would be rebuilt in some way. But I feel like as far as the networking I deal with when face if Facebook goes, I don't know quite how I would book a tour really as effective right now. Everyone I communicate with for touring booking is usually on Facebook. Huh. And so that's something that I feel sort of like sites like do DIY and stuff like that, like yeah. org, like those are like I find less them less effective. Once in a while I've gotten shows off of those, but I think there's so many people going to them and trying to get shows. It's just people who are offering venues on that site are overwhelmed and just don't respond yeah. to a lot of folks. I think you're insane if you put your email in there. Oh, it's got to <laughs> be brutal. Like I can't Im- you probably need your own separate box for like all that shit.
0: Why would you do that? Why would you be
1: like we need bands
0: to come here. Like I'd like to hear 500 different bands that need a show on April 5th.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of folks get involved. I know a lot of folks maybe get involved in it because they don't know they're trying to get a venue going. I know some people in yeah. like, certain states that are like, oh, what can I do to get my like, my, my promotional DIY company out there? And, right. like Send them to do DIY. And they go. And then, you know, at first it's cool. They're like, oh, sweet. Like, people are, like, mailing me. <laughs> right. And the next thing you know, like, f- six months later, they're just like, oh, man, I get, like, a show every Friday and Saturday yeah. night. And, like on, like, Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> like,
0: <it's> like, <laughs> yeah, people are contacting you, they're basically going to, like, cost you money, <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, but pretty much. And the, you got to kind of find a way to make people still come to those shows that you keep booking, like, every, like, three days there's a show. Like, right, right. You got no crowd left. That's how scenes are born and die just as quickly is because yeah. they... It's kind of interesting. You need people to start it and you need people to kill it. And, you know, the more people coming in the beginning the better your scenes gonna fucking build and then like the more people who show up as it's already big <laughs> the more they're gonna like make it degrade probably mm. that's how it seems to happen in the cycle
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so, you were saying like now you're you're like kinda falling back from writing music for a minute
1: well I'm just like taking a like this two years of touring has been like pretty it's pretty towards the end of it I was tired of playing a lot of my songs um I was tired of a lot of stuff. So I, um, I just want to take, I want to see my family for a little bit and like, you know, hang out around, see some friends, make some friends. (laughs) Like I, uh, I don't know. I, um, I just, it's not that I'm not like writing. It's just, I'm not like, I'm not like going crazy, pushing myself to get like all this stuff done right now. Like I'm going to tour more in the spring and summer, but you know, I'm just taking it easy and trying not to play a whole lot. Like I, uh, you know, I'm just trying to take it easy for yeah. the wintertime and see if I can get some just refreshed. Got to got to refresh. I I, I was torn more than, like, professional, like, fine people. For the yeah. Minute. Like, no one, like, tours like that. Like, it's just not – I mean, people do, but, like, you know, it's extremely – you know, you're talking, like, six months at a time of touring and then home for a month and then four or five months and then home for a month. And it's just, like, it, it, it changes your whole brain and outlook on and everything in, in, like, awesome ways, but it makes it much harder to stop like, for, like, it becomes an addiction, like, personality type of person. I think touring can become just as much of a drug as anything. Yeah. Uh, like, you're you're in your little bubble, man. You're away from life. You have, your only responsibility is your car and your shows and, you know, making sure you're on 24-7, like, and it's a full-time job, but, you know, I'd much rather do that than anything else. Yeah, like, life
0: know? feels so simple when you're
1: oh yeah dude You know, absolutely it's so simple I-, I wish everyone could experience that simplicity at some point because there's like there's times on the road where I was just golden like it was just like everything was gold like that yeah. bright yellow like feeling that you can't really put your finger on but everything's just yellow and you're great and you're always smiling and like I think a lot of it has to do for me with you know the lack of uh, consistency in the relationships <laughs> it sounds really bad but like you know, the less people you have in your life on an immediate basis, the less problems you're probably going to have as well. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like when you're on tour, you're only going to see folks for a handful of hours or days. So you're constantly going. There's no way to really get wrapped up in drama or responsibility yeah. or, you know, having to answer to anyone. So that, that I think, lets the soul have a lot of room to breathe, you know. Like Your soul gets to breathe. You know? Most people don't get it. And I feel fortunate just to have had a chance to, you know, have my soul. <laughs> yeah, me and Colin have talked a little bit about
0: how it's kind of like easier just to be the best, your best self on tour just oh, yeah. because you only, <laughs> you only like, like, see people for a couple of hours mm. or something. You, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like people in other cities like me more. <laughs> than
1: they <do> in <laughs> oh they Baltimore. Oh, they haven't had a chance to get pissed off, you know. What I mean? Yeah, they
0: have been like, Yeah, I, I did this thing
1: and like dude didn't show up or like <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, man, you start anywhere you start hanging out too long though you start growing roots and that's the thing, like you know, you keep it's the same a rolling stone gathers no moss. Like, you know, yeah. you keep going, you know, you're not gonna have any baggage. Uh you know. So that's what I think uh, I like a lot about touring, is just that free feeling of just like, you know, anything can happen and it's okay. Yeah. Like, back home, it's like anything can happen and it's not okay. Like, I'm just like, if something bad happens, I'm stuck here. I got to deal with it. Yeah. Like on tour, it's like anything can happen and I'm just, ha- I'm just living, you know?
0: Like, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you see it as something that, you know, it, it's, for both of us, it's been this like super, super long ongoing journey but it's like you see it as something that you feel like would blossom into more of like a career and a like traditional sense
1: i hope so yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i i'm uh i just want a really cool time man it's like i'm alive i want to like have a good life this round you know yeah like, uh, And, uh, my interests stem, you know, tend to, my interests tend to go towards the arts and music and, like, travel and just, like, having a good, good good-ass time. So, I mean, if I have the opportunity to do that with this life and this form and all that, then I'm not going to shy away from opportunities that come my way that could result in fulfilling those, so, I, uh, yeah, I, I hope one day, you know? yeah. I think I think you know I think the energy you put into something eventually will pay off it has to because energy has to have that kind of balance and like just it's like you know you put a lot of energy and time into something it's eventually it will have an effect somewhere it just might not be the way you expected or wanted it to happen yeah but it will have an effect but you just might not be there to see it you know yeah but you know I think I put enough energy into what I do for it you know there's more to come. It's gonna. Cool stuff is gonna Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, what, what's up with this book?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I'm writing a book. Um, I'm trying to write a book. It's hard. <laughs> um, it's not hard writing it, but it's hard being like organizing my thoughts because I get tired of talking about one thing and I mm. start writing about something else. It's just a book. I mean, I, it's more or less like, I know I wasn't. Just a a way to, like, write something new instead of, like, abstract poetry or just, like, train of thought or songs or lyrics. Like, you know, I just want to keep writing. I like writing. So, like, I decided to write about my life thus far because, you know, in, like, 30, 40 more years, you know, know, uh, you're never going to, like, probably remember what's happening right now to the degree you are. So, you know, I'm just writing about my life and my experiences, people I've met, like, uh, some things I've done that people might find interesting or characters I've crossed paths with that might be compelling to people, um... Just basically trying to make my life more interesting than it may be, or, or accurately portraying it as interesting as it is. Yeah, you know, it's more or less just an exercise I was doing daily. To uh, I read this book. Uh, I I didn't read. It, I I looked through it. Uh, it's called The Artist's Way, and uh, it's uh, one of the things it talks about is like these things called your morning pages, where you wake up and you write whatever comes to your mind, and it helps your uh, creative brain stay focused mm. and uh, be alert and active. So that will find a way to. Uh, you know, infiltrate your other creative activities like songwriting or whatever. So yeah, I was waking up and just writing about my life every day. I decided this people kept saying, You should write a book. You should write a book all the time. I'd always hear it. I don't know why people just tell me this all the time. And uh uh so I decided I might as well just start writing like a book. But you know Yeah. Yeah, it's it's coming along. I'm forty five pages in. Oh, awesome. (laughs) It's interesting.
0: How do you how do you like frame it? Like the life of a musician or
1: I might just call it from a couch across the country. Oh, cool! <laughs> I think I might just call it that. I don't know yet, though. Yeah, but, uh, it, it's just kind of. I'm just writing about a life. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff, and there's just like it's just a person's like life. I feel like you know, it's like anyone can make their life like entertaining to somebody. Yeah, like everyone's life is cool. Like I, I can make. I would like to read about someone's life, just like yeah, anybody. Like you know, did you did you did you live? Like what happened? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, just like how was it for you? Like so, I don't know. I uh, I I just I'm just gonna put it out there. If somebody wants to read it, you know, yeah, it's, it's there. <laughs> you know. Um.
0: I I have a theory that anyone's life, any like artist's life, is more interesting than a famous artist's life. <laughs> like like I don't know, it's just like I read a Joe Jackson biography and it just it just ends when he gets famous. It's like the last page is kind of like <laughs> no. then I like blew up. And it's
1: it's awesome.
0: You know what I mean? It's like it's like it, I I don't know, it's like what is there to say? It's just like then I got money and then I got more money and then it was a little weird. Then I got
1: more money and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. at the most once you're famous it really just comes down to your, your, people just talk about oh who they met who you ran into it's mostly people start reading your like, biography to find out about your drug addiction your sex yeah. life and the other famous people you cross paths yeah. with but uh, you know I mean I can do that on a small level that no one cares about and you know, right, it's right. the same thing it's just like you know people are not interested a lot of the times unless it's like someone like they've had like they make jaggers of the world and things but right. you know I really I think like, a lot of like the ones you don't know about artists like you're just like what the hell is this you know like and then if you find out like they did anything that was remotely effective to like your taste like you're just like well this is great like all of a sudden like it's this like mythical interesting like concept that you want to yeah. and that a lot of times like, it like it totally backfires on the very like thing that made it special to begin with because it ends up getting the artist popular uh in any way like you know you, you saw like not like a book in general but i mean like you know just like Anytime anyone finds out about an unknown artist, a lot of times they're just like, "Whoa, like, oh, Daniel Johnston, or like, you know, uh, Elliot Smith, or always like folks who didn't really have a whole lot of things going on in their life, or I mean, like Daniel Johnston's still alive, but for years, like, you know, no one like gave a crap, like, yeah, and then one day all of a sudden it's just like, the right documentary on his life came out." And everyone's like, "Whoa, the devil and Daniel Johnston, this guy like did acid and went crazy and worshipped the devil and went like, almost pushed his dad out a window." And he wrote music too, you know. You're it's right. Just like, right. but like, and it needs that. Like, a lot of times people need, people want to singers, stars, especially like people like don't care about them, right? <laughs> they just don't give a shit. Like, I, I, I accept this. I, I, I didn't give myself a name, like you know, you know, like. A lightning Rod or whatever the hell you know. Like <laughs> I didn't like make some name up for my project at the time because like I thought people wanted honesty. That's what everyone's always like. They want honesty, but I don't yeah. think people want honesty at this point in my life. People wanted <laughs> and lied to. <laughs> like yeah. to some degree, I think that like, people like to be. You know, they like you know the honesty of like Matt Pless, the honest singer-songwriter like persona or whatever. Right. I just don't think it's a very interesting thing at this point in history. I mean, and maybe it is to some folks, but I mean, like you know we're living in an age where you need such pizzazz to like get your stuff out there right uh, like people just don't have the patience like there is an audience for that totally but like you know someone like if you don't have like you know the Taylor Swift marketing machine or something behind you like and no one's gonna really single you out, like in the coffee shops these days, like you know, a Bob Dylan or something. I don't think. Right, know? right, right. I think like that's a different game. I mean, most of the songwriters doing the strict singer songwriter thing, the sound, the look, everything, or a lot. Most of the, they're either like hanging in Nashville trying to figure it out, or like they're in New York City uh, doing the open mic circuit and playing the songwriter venues, and they've been doing it for a long time. And you know, it's just like there's nothing to make anyone stop and look at the Daniel Johnstons of the world until there is, you know, yeah. like, and that's like, that's the, the crime of it. A lot of great music, you know, if Daniel Johnson didn't have a movie made about him and Kurt Cobain wore his t t-shirt on the Grammys, like, he's just this guy who writes music like everybody else. You know? Right. I mean, he doesn't even have a cool name, you know. Right, <laughs> like, right. So, you know, I just think, like, people get more interested when there's, like, a zing to the story you know totally
0: yeah I I I think I've been trying this idea going for size like as as I get older and have put out all these albums and stuff like I also think at some point you kinda your history becomes your zing or something yeah like, Like, I think, I think, I think, like, I was thinking about it. Like, if I somehow had some weird, like, hit out of nowhere, some, like, viral song or something, like, like, I don't think I would try to be like, okay, now I'll do, like, another one of those. or, Or, like, I don't think I would, like, you know how there's, like, certain artists that come out and they're, like, it almost seems like they're doing everything right. Yeah. Like I, I like I think as much as I'm not really like a Kanye fan, I feel like he's like a good example. He's killing it. Yeah. He's, uh, he's got the perfect like. Oh, did you see his like shoes at this thing? And <laughs> then, never like, a wrong move. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> like it's like oh, and then the way he like flipped this sample and then, and like. I I almost think that as you get older and become more of like a real person and that you have some kind of history it's almost like you're not just you're not just what you're doing at that moment you're, you are you sort of become everything that you've done. done yeah like you know like like I'm a are, are you a Jonathan Richman fan?
1: I don't know much about his music. I know who he is though. But yeah, yeah,
0: like like I'm I'm a big fan and it's like
1: when I go to see him
0: I've only seen him live once, but, like, when I went to see him, it's, like, it's just this, He you know, he has, like, 40 albums out or something, and it's just this random selection of songs from, like, the 40 albums. I see. And everyone, like, like no one's requests or wants are, like, acknowledged. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he didn't play any of his, like, hits, really. (laughs) And it's, like... Everyone that's a fan is a fan of like the catalog, so it's almost like, like a game or something. It's almost like which which songs that he likes.
1: There's not like the singles that everyone goes after. Is yeah,
0: it? it's like it's like what songs that I like is he gonna play?
1: Because they can look back and like there's not like oh this is the one I was supposed to listen to here. It's just like here's this guy's whole like life. What, yeah, what's happened? yeah like you know this person's like done all this stuff. Um, but yeah, like people just need something to smack him in the face and say what like that guy uh uh. Did you hear about that guy, Sugar Man, or whatever? You heard of that thing? Yeah. He's an example of that. Like, this guy, you know, like, he's like, one day someone made him, just made it, made a big stink about it. And, like, they had the exposure to get, like, people to know about what's happening. And, like, you know, now all of a sudden it's interesting. And he's got, like, yeah. these two albums that he did, like, 40 years ago. And, like, everyone's like, oh, this is, like, awesome. Like, so, you know, you never know what's going to happen. But, I mean, it's out there. You know, I, I think yeah. personally, I think one day. Someone's going to do, you know, the Nuggets compilations and stuff. Yeah. I think like one day people are going to go through like YouTube or whatever the hell the internet has left uh, of what's happening there now. And they're going to go through and they're going to find, they're going to just dig up like all the obscure. It'll be like an Alan Lomax, like finding the old blues musicians like in the 60s and putting them out there for everyone to know. They're going to single people out that they think are really good in different genres that were never heard from. And they're going to title it something that like relates to these unknown internet uh, gems i I just feel like that might happen no it it,
0: it definitely if it's not
1: happening already yeah
0: (laughs) it's kind of funny to think about like like a collection like that like not being attached to a physical place like oh oh yeah like young kids like if it was just like
1: you know, like the YouTube collection. This is the best of cyberspace, or two thousand eight, Yeah, yeah. It's like, 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 oh, I wish I was online then. <laughs> <That would be laughs> yeah, <cool>. man. <laughs> like somebody like that. Yeah. Was, oh man, if I could only been online then. <laughs> <laughs> One day, someone's gonna look back and be like, "Oh man, like they're so lucky they were there." Or like, this sucks. <laughs> like... <laughs> tube bullshit this <laughs> is like they keep getting these damn ads they're getting someone else like, <laughs> percentage really <laughs> song um but no I think that could happen and that person who puts it out will have the access to some like mass like you know exposure outlet and, like, yeah people will hear about these artists the same way they heard about the nuggets artists I guess so that's a possibility I mean, yeah you know, um the internet's like uh it's like cave drawings. Um, I feel like if the internet lasts the way it is, cyberspace, YouTube, Etsy, whatever the hell your stuff's on, Tumblr, yeah, it's like all art. In some way, it's all just like you know, it's like and and, and of all that's still there on some great like mother hum computer somewhere in like uh, thousands of years, it's the same thing as like people like you know finding like a, a caveman's work on the wall or something in like a cave, yeah. like it's just like this thing that's sitting there. Like it's been put on the wall that right you know, that is the internet, and you know it's just gonna be like people be you can study it, wow, this is really you know some girl like you know picking her nose and doing a pig squeal like a uh, tutorial uh uh on like you know how to sing in a metal band at the same time <laughs> could be this like you know amazing thing to like, yeah. some explorer in like six <laughs> centuries from now, totally. so. <laughs>
0: I guess that about wraps it up. Um, is there anything else you want to mention? Or covered a
1: lot. I mean, yeah. I, I, it unless there's anything else, I mean. That's <laughs> ah, but... good. <laughs> thanks for letting me come on. Oh, oh man,
0: thanks for coming on. All right. Thank you so much to Matt Pless for getting on. We'll see you next week.